Let's look at our Bibles at Genesis chapter 33. And we're continuing a series uh, that we started a few weeks ago called Change My Heart. And we're talking about relationships today. Uh, relationships are so powerful and so wonderful. Um, have you ever had a friendship end unexpectedly? Have you ever had a conflict with a family member? Maybe Thanksgiving or Christmas time is a very un uncomfortable time for you because you, you have to see some of those family members that you feel conflicted with. Maybe there's some people in the office that you work with that really drive you crazy. And uh, there's, there's factions and there's divisions. What do you do? Uh, what do you do when a friendship or a relationship that's been a part of your life for many, many years all of a sudden fractures and falls apart? What do we do when marriages struggle and marriages end? What does God's word have to say to us about, about mending broken relationships and about healing these, these type of hurts? Genesis 33 is a fantastic passage of scripture. Um, we, we find in this text that Jacob and his brother Esau have been estranged for each other, from each other for 20 years. Um, if you remember the story, Jacob steals the birthright and the blessing, which is kind of like the inheritance and the spiritual authority, spiritual leadership of, of his older brother Esau. And Esau threatens to kill Jacob. So Jacob runs and lives with his uncle, Uncle Laban, uh, fleeing for his life, and he spends 20 years. God tells him, you got to go back home, and you got to go back to, to the homeland after 20 years. So Jacob takes a big, bold step, and he sends a gift to his brother Esau and asks for a meeting trying to reconcile the differences. And uh, this is an amazing, it's an amazing story in Genesis 33 because the last time that these brothers were together, uh, Esau was determined to take the life of Jacob. He was so irritated with him and so upset with him, he was going to kill him. Um, but now these two brothers are going to have this, this meeting. And I want to look at four principles today for mending broken relationships. And the first is humility. Look at it in verse 3. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times until he approached his brother. <clears throat> um, Jacob um, starts off this, this reconciliation, this, this difficult conversation with total humility. Notice he bows down seven times to his brother. This is, this is how people in the ancient world showed respect and humility to one another. And, and Jacob is not starting this conversation off with you know, look what you made me do, or, or you know, how dare you, Esau? You tried to, you wanted to kill me, and I had to go live with crazy Uncle Laban, and then my mom died, and I never got to see her again, and and I got stuck with this extra wife, Leah, that I didn't want, and and that's another sermon, and all this stuff transpired, and I've been away from home, and what's wrong with you, Esau? That's not the that's not the approach. When Jacob comes before Esau, there, there's total humility that's there. Um, he's not blaming. Esau is not blaming Jacob. Jacob's not blaming Esau. I mean, they, 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 they have kind of this mutual humility between the two parties. And that is beautiful, fertile ground for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And, and so how do we resolve broken relationships? One, we take we take a, a, the, the attitude of humility, and if you were the offender, um, then we don't want to blame shift or make excuses, okay? We can just own it and say, look, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. 
Jacob, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have threatened to kill you. Jacob, uh, Esau, I should not have taken your birthright and your blessing. I was manipulative. I shouldn't have done it. There's an environment of humility. If we're the offendee, we can be honest about the hurt and pain we felt, but we don't have to smear it in their face. Sometimes if you're the offendee, you can become very self-righteous and shame people for what they did that's wrong. And that's not a helpful, uh, a helpful attitude for these type of relationships to, to be brought back together. So um, both the offender and the offendee have, have significant responsibilities. And at this face-to-face meeting... Esau runs, and in verse 4, he hugs him and throws his arms around him and kisses him, and they weep together. I mean, this is a beautiful thing. These brothers, they used to play together. Man, they used to play catch in the front yard, right? They used to wrestle. These, these, these guys grew up together, and, and, and now they've been estranged for all these years, and, and they come back together in a very godly and a very powerful way. Um, they, they, they are vulnerable to one another. Uh, Esau runs and embraces him. I think Esau was even more eager than Jacob to, to see his brother, and it's in humility. Now, when we have conflict with somebody, there's always a risk, and sometimes relationships cannot be reconciled, unfortunately. But it's always worth the risk. And I believe that it's worth the risk because if you are able to resolve differences with somebody, it is a powerful, powerful win for you and for that other person. It's a great win for your family. It's a great win for your relationships. And so it's always worth taking the risk. The risk is worth it. But we do so with humility. Um, James chapter 4 verse 6 says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And if you want the hand of God to be on your relationships, be a humble person that God can work through. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will be the one that lifts you up. So how do we do it? Well, we start with a humble attitude. But secondly, we also have to work on our forgiveness. Our forgiveness. Look look, look at that there in verse 4. But Esau ran to meet him, and he hugged him and threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. Uh, Then they wept. And it's almost like Esau had already forgiven Jacob before he saw him. Do you see it? Isn't that beautiful? You know, sometimes before we meet with somebody else, we have to do business with God on our own. And when when Esau is there to, to, to welcome his brother back to the land of Canaan, he's already forgiven him. I mean, it, it, it's a beautiful sight. They they're hugging, they're they're kissing, they're crying together, they're 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 joined together. Wow. It's really powerful. What is the definition of forgiveness? Well, to forgive means to wipe the slate clean, to pardon, or to cancel a debt. It simply means that we release a person from the wrong that they have committed against us. That's what it means to forgive. Now, why should I forgive? Because, like, sometimes we look around and we see our relationships and we're like, I don't feel like forgiving her. I don't want to forgive him. Have you ever felt that way before? Like, why would I want to do that? It's a good question. A lot of times we feel that way. Well, number one, we forgive because we have been forgiven by God, Ephesians 4.32 says. So God has forgiven us. So when we forgive others, we are acting in a godly manner because God has, first of all, forgiven us. So number one, we forgive others. God first forgave us. 
Uh, no, secondly, we forgive um, in obedience to God. Part of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 is what? Forgive, yeah, for, forgive my debtors. And, and uh, Jesus included that in the Lord's Prayer. I think Jesus knew that we would have conflict with people. <laughs> Jesus knew that, that we would fight that, that battle of unforgiveness. And so he includes that in the Lord's Prayer as a model prayer that Christians have prayed for 2,000 years. And, and, and so we have to work on that, right? We, that, 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 that's part of it. But we forgive in obedience to God. We've been commanded by God to forgive others. Um, here's another reason, though. It also keeps us from becoming bitter and hurting the people around us. That's what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4 and 5 says. So, like, if I am bitter towards this one person... Many times there's a spillover into my other relationships. That's why some people can't get close to people. Because they got hurt in this relationship. And so they're cynical and they're skeptical and they're unforgiving and they're bitter. So now when they try to have relationships with these people, all that bitterness spills over. We kind of think, well, no, I just hate her. I don't hate th them. But, but when bitterness takes root in our heart, it, it has this, it's like a cancer, man. It, it's like it begins to pervade our whole being. And it begins to just take over like a lot of relationships. And it begins to kind of contaminate the whole thing. So what do we need to do? Well, we need to walk in forgiveness. Uh, and we forgive so we don't become bitter uh, and, and destroy the other people around us. Um, when we forgive others, we actually help ourselves. Did you know that? Like we become more emotionally and spiritually stronger by forgiving the people that have, have hurt us. So, so sometimes we think, well, you know, forgiveness is about me and that person wronged me and I don't want to let go of that because, because they really hurt me. But really, the more we dig into it, we understand that really we're only hurting ourselves by, by not forgiving others. So we gotta, we got to do it. we got to follow what Jesus said. Forgiveness is one of the most powerful principles, and yet it's one of the most least understood in the Bible. Forgiveness is not minimizing what was done. It's not forgetting it. It's not putting ourselves back in bad situations with that same person again. It's not uh, ignoring what has happened. It's not just, uh, well, we're going to refuse to ever talk about this again. That, that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is willingly and, and powerfully choosing to let go of a debt that is owed to us. And forgiveness is not saying, I don't feel the pain anymore. Rather, it's saying, I'm not going to hold your involvement in my pain anymore. I'm not going to hold you in contempt anymore. Um, you may still have a lot of pain from that, but you can still forgive what was done. Um, I want you to notice that Esau meets with Jacob having already uh, made this decision to forgive in his heart. It's kind of like, the, it's like the, the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 when the father throws open his arms and welcomes the, the, the estranged son back to his home and he kills the fatted calf and they have the party and he puts the ring on his finger and all that. The father has already chosen to forgive. Um, God has already chosen to forgive you. And the gospel, the gospel message is, is one that's all about forgiveness. So when we forgive others, we are acting in accordance with 
the gospel message, which is the gospel of forgiveness and reconciliation, which is a beautiful thing. But how do we forgive people if they don't apologize? Maybe somebody's wronged you that's not even alive anymore. Maybe somebody's wronged you that lives in another state. You know, you're probably not going to see them anytime soon. Can we, can we forgive in those contexts as well if people are not asking for it? Um, the, the answer is absolutely yes, because forgiveness is something that we do with God, not something that we have to do with somebody else. So we're going to get to reconciliation in just a moment. Reconciliation is when two estranged people come back together and resolve the differences. Forgiveness is different. Forgiveness is me and God working on letting go of the debt against somebody else. And many times we get forgiveness and reconciliation all mixed up together, and we don't see that they are two different transactions that take place. You can forgive somebody and not be reconciled to them. Amen? You can make a decision in your heart to let something go, but yet that person may not ever admit what they did was wrong. Okay, So forgiveness and reconciliation are two different deals. But back to forgiveness, we can let people go. We can let um, sins against us. We can forgive those, those individuals that have hurt us, even if they're not asking for forgiveness. Um, my dad um, left our family when I was a senior in high school, uh, was very hurtful, me and my brother, my mom. Um, I didn't really have a relationship with my dad beyond my senior year in high school. Um, my dad called me a couple of weeks before he died. And I think he was trying to say he was sorry, but he, but he didn't. And I didn't know that he was about to die because I hadn't really spoken with him for many, many years. I hadn't seen him in many, many years. Uh, but he called, and I think he was trying to say, I'm sorry for all that I did. He never really said that. Um, and then, he, unfortunately, he passed away. And so this is something that I've had to work on in my own experience in my own life forgiving when people have not asked to be forgiven and I want you to know that God can do a great work in your heart and in your life and you can be set free you see as long as unforgiveness is in your heart you, you really are captive uh, in your own heart and in your own spirit you're a prisoner and the person that's wronged you is continuing to hurt you when you refuse to forgive but when you choose to forgive, you begin to be the person that walks in freedom and your oppressors can't put you down anymore. It's a beautiful thing. It sounds kind of contrarian in some ways, but that's what God wants for us. Um, we can't go through this world without being wronged. We will. We have to learn to practice this and work on this in our own life. Every one of us has felt these things. Um, so how do I get over it? Well, Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you. So the cross is our reminder. When we think, well, I don't want to let her off the hook, or I don't want to forgive him, we look at Jesus and we remember how he forgave us, and we forgive other people the way that God first forgave us. And, and that's our, our kind of our driving motivator. Um, but you may think, but pastor, they don't deserve to be forgiven. And that, that may be true. You know, people don't deserve it. But again, if you hang on to it, you're the one that always loses. You know, almost 10 years ago, we had the Aurora Theater shooting. Our church was meeting in a um, temporary facility. We were meeting at a school. One of our church members was shot twice. 
Um, two weeks after the shooting, he came and gave a testimony at church about how he had forgiven the gunman. And the news media was there. Um, we had uh, over 700 people at church that day. Um, we had 10, I think, media outlets. The, we gave interviews till after 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It was just really one of those crazy, crazy times. And we had an opportunity to talk to a lot of people about the gospel and about Jesus and forgiveness. But our church member... Um, was criticized in the media for forgiving the shooter. And the question was, why would anybody in their right mind forgive somebody that did such a heinous act? And it's a great question. And if you don't understand the gospel, then absolutely, that's probably what you think. But what our church member understood and what he began to tell people was about how God had forgiven him and, had, how, and because God had forgiven him so much, he was able to forgive other people. And furthermore, he was able to go on and say, listen, I don't want to live in bitterness. I've been injured and hurt enough. I don't want to have hatred in my heart. And it was a beautiful opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus and to talk to people about this very powerful, powerful issue. So can we forgive people who don't deserve it? Of course, because this is between me and God, not just about me and that other person. Um, forgiving others is God's ticket to not suffer any longer from the pain that that person caused to me. Now, forgiveness is a process. Does it take time? Absolutely. If you've been hurt very severely, you're probably not going to wake up tomorrow and just feel completely resolved that you've forgiven that person. I mean, maybe you will, but for me at least, it takes a while. And that's normal and that's okay. But we want to get on the path of forgiveness. Amen? Like we want to make some progress every day towards forgiving um, that person. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, when it says, forgive us our debtors as we forgive those who trespass against us. Right? We ought to pray that every day. Because sometimes we can start down the path of forgiveness, but then we can get bitter and cynical and we can start to walk it back and get back into that realm of unforgiveness and that hatred and, and, and so many other things. So we, we got to pray every day. If you've really been hurt by some people, you need to pray, God, help me to forgive them on a daily basis to keep your heart really pure. And you may have to do that for years and years and years. That's okay. That's all right. You know, a conversation came up about somebody who had hurt Gina and I really badly a few months ago. And, um, the, some people were talking and, and the name came up of the person and I couldn't remember who they were. <laughs> and I was like, what? I, I was like, tell, now tell me again like who they were and then somebody told me the name and then I remembered. I was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It reminded me I had prayed so much that I wouldn't have bitterness in my heart that I forgot who they were. Amen? I mean, isn't that a good feeling? That's a great thing. I got some more people I need to forget about. Amen? I'm just getting started. I think we need to pray and forgive, and maybe we'll forget some of their names. I think that's a, good, I think that's a healthy, good thing. So there's humility. There's forgiveness. There's also restitution. Okay, now check this out. In verse, uh, chapter 32, verse 13 to 16, before Jacob and Esau meet, Jacob sends a gift to his brother. Okay, look at this. He spent the night there and he took part of what he had and he brought it to him as a gift for his brother Esau. 
200 female goats. Wow, like he's rolling out the big stuff right here. I mean, come on. Male goats, uh, 200 ewes, uh, uh, 20, 20 rams, 30 milk camels. Not just regular camels, but milk camels. Amen? And uh, with, the young, uh, with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys. And he entrusted them to his slaves in uh, separate herds. And he said to them, go ahead of me and uh, leave some distance between the herds. So Jacob, Jacob sends his servants with a big gift to Esau. Now, why did he do that? Well, it wasn't just that he was trying to butter him up a little bit. Jacob realized he had stolen from his, from his brother. He took, he took the birthright, man. He took the blessing. Uh, in the Old Testament times, the oldest brother got two-thirds of the father's possessions. So what he's doing is he's saying, listen, I stole from you, so let me try to make it right. And restitution is one of the most important steps. By the way, this is the step that almost nobody does. I'm telling you, almost nobody. But if you've stolen from somebody, you should apologize to them and you should make restitution. Okay, that's godly, that's good. If you've gossiped about somebody, then you ought to apologize to them and then you ought to go back to all the people that you said the untrue stuff about and you ought to correct yourself. Restitution. And restitution is one of the biggest signs of true repentance. Now see, if we would practice this more, there would be a lot more forgiveness and a lot more reconciliation that would go on in our homes and in our lives and in our personal experiences. Most people don't want to do this. Sometimes we say we're sorry when we get caught or when we get backed into a corner. But, but, but how many times do we really want to, to, to make amends and make things right? And that's what Jacob is doing. This is the, 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 the sign that God has changed his heart. Now, this series has been called Change My Heart. And we need to be praying, God, change my heart about my relationships. Change my heart about my, my, my uh, ability to forgive others. Change my heart about conflicts in relationships. And restitution is part of that. It's part of it. Um, if, you know, if you don't know what to do to make it right, ask the person. Hey, what could I do to make this right? It's a beautiful, godly, Christ-honoring thing. But here's the fourth thing I want us to see. Not just, um, not just restitution, but also reconciliation. And here's kind of the, the final piece of this puzzle. When we've worked through the process of forgiving, which is me and God, okay? You can't get to restitution if you can't forgive. That's restitution is two people together resolving conflicts. Forgiveness is me and God. And when I get my stuff with God going the right direction, then I can go and, and reconcile with somebody else. Now look at this in verse 10 of chapter 33. But Jacob said, no, please, if I found favor with you, take this gift from me. For indeed, I've seen your face and it's like seeing God's face since you've accepted me. Please take my uh, present. That was brought to you because God had been gracious to me and I have everything that I need. So Jacob urged him until he accepted and then Esau said, let's move on and I'll go ahead of you. So basically uh, Esau accepts the gifts that Jacob had given. He at first tries to deny them and say, no, I don't need that. I'm good. And Jacob says, no, I really insist. I, I, listen, I really need you to take that for me. And, and then Esau 
acquiesces and he takes the gifts and the two brothers are reconciled. Now, um, does reconciling mean that we're best friends with the, with the other party? It may not. In fact, it's kind of funny when you read the story here. Um, Esau's like, Jacob, come over to my house. We'll travel together. And Jacob's like, no, nah, man, I'm good. You know, and like he, he goes on with his life. And I don't think he had bitterness in his heart towards Esau. I think he just wanted to kind of go on and do his own thing. And that very well may be the case in your life. You may have reconciliation with that person, but that may not mean that you eat lunch together every week. You know, you, 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 may, not, you may not even speak to that person again, but you know what? You have peace in your heart, and that's a beautiful thing. So, so uh, depending on what the nature of the conflict may be and what the circumstances are, uh, you may or may not be uh, in, a, in a vibrant relationship with that person again. Now, you might, and that would be awesome, and God would be honored and glorified in that if that was possible. So um, we ought to pray for that, but that may not always be the case, and that's okay too. Um, if you confront somebody, you may need to, t- uh, to, to, talk, to take somebody with you. If you have a conversation, you know, that you want to try to resolve something and you feel like, man, I've said everything that I can, and it's still not jiving, and they don't get it, you know, take another party with you. That's Matthew chapter 18, by the way. And sometimes another godly partner can help bring people together. And that's, that's, that's a great thing. That's a great thing. Um, Jacob and Esau move on in verses 16 through 20. Um, we have to move on with our lives and our relationships. But a couple of things about reconciliation. Reconciliation doesn't mean that you don't have boundaries. Reconciliation does not mean that you immediately trust that person like you did before. Trust has to be earned. So we could talk through some things and apologize and resolve some matters, and that's awesome, that's beautiful. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden that I don't have to rebuild trust towards you or you don't have to rebuild trust towards me. That that may take some time. That's natural. That's that's, that's realistic. There's consequences. There's consequences for, for our decisions. Um, reconciliation doesn't always work. Okay, These boys have been apart for 20 long years. And you may deeply desire to reconcile with somebody. And they may not want to reconcile with you. And if not, you can't do anything about that. You forgive them and move on with your life. That's what you got to do. Reconciliation is not minimizing what's been done. It's not, it's not um, ignoring the pain that's been there. That's, that's not what it is. Reconciliation is not a cakewalk. Uh, it's, not, it's not easy. It, it may be very messy and difficult. It may be really, really hard. Um, God has to soften hearts and ease emotions for these conversations to take place. Um, we, had a, we had a high school and a college kid that ran sound for us at our last church in another state. We, had, we did a church start, and we met in a school, and we had this really fantastic, he was a high school kid. And um, Gina follows him on Instagram, and she told me about a post that he had recently uh, put on Instagram. And I, I haven't talked to this, this kid in maybe 15 years, but... Um, this, is what he, this is what he put on Instagram this week. I thought this was so appropriate. He said, three years ago, Amber and I divorced. Since then, God has redeemed our mess and turned it into his message. God's plan is always reconciliation to us, to him, and to each other. Isn't that beautiful? 
I don't know any of the context of that. I don't know what happened. I don't know who did what. doesn't really matter. But it's beautiful to see that, that relationships can be reconciled and, and that God can, God can do that. And we ought to be praying for that. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Okay? Now, it may not be possible. Amen? Some of you got some people in your life and it's just not possible. But he says, as far as it depends on you, if there's not peace, it shouldn't be because of you. It should be because of them. So if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. When is reconciliation possible? Um, when both parties accept full responsibility for actions. Um, you know, uh, that, that's... that's one of the marks, another mark is does, uh, 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 um, does not continue in anything associated with the offense. So like we can't be reconciled if I keep doing the same thing to you that caused the conflict to start with. Okay, that's not reconciliation. Um, reconciliation um, is not possible if, uh, if, I do not have, if, I, if, if I do not have a defensive attitude about being wrong. Okay, I got to be able to own, you know, the decisions that I made, and 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 be able to uh, not be defensive about admitting wrongdoing, and does not have a light attitude towards the hurtful behavior. You know, if I'm very dismissive about it, and I don't really acknowledge that I hurt you, then we probably can't be probably can't be reconciled. Second Corinthians five twenty one says he made the one who did not know sin to be our sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, the gospel is that people are reconciled with God through Jesus and through his death and resurrection on the cross. Jesus, who knew no sin, became our sin, that we could become the righteousness of God. And you know what? That's where our heart begins to change. That's where our lives begin to pivot that's when things begin to be transformed in our own hearts and lives is when Jesus comes in and does something so fresh and so new. This morning, I'm going to encourage you just to take a moment to maybe write down the names of some people that you need to forgive. Could we do that for just a minute? Maybe you could take out your notes and you could take out your pen and you could just write down a couple of folks, you know, and you need to pray over that. Think about that for a little bit. Um, some people that you need to forgive. And if God would be so gracious as to allow you the opportunity to, to reconcile with those people, how beautiful would that be? But how do we do it? We start with humility. We work in the area of forgiveness. If restitution is necessary, we pursue that. And with the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we are reconciled to God just as we are in Christ. Would you pray?